Hello everyone, this is Gilbert Jalan. I'm talking to you here from Private Corporate Council Downtown Orlando. This is uh, Tufts on Tax, where all your tax questions and answers are right here with Mr. T. Scott Tufts. When it comes to taxes and tax law, he is the expert and the master to that. Um, uh, you can call him at 877-647-7887. Again, that number is 877-647-7887. Or you can reach him at stufts at pcc.law. That's uh, S-T-U-F-T-S at pcc.law. You can visit our website at privatecorporatecouncil.com. Hello, Scott. How are you today? Hey, good to be with you. Good to be with you, too. Now, we are talking about statues of limitations and K-1. So what is that all about? Yeah, so we have an update uh, out of uh, the Supreme Court of Nevada. Uh, we want our audience to know kind of... Uh, we talk a lot about the K-1 and the 8082 and uh, kind of what all is going on with that. Okay. Uh, but one of the things that we also can see is uh, that our tax issues that we run across or things in, uh, quite frankly, any legal issue uh, should not be dealt with in a kind of cursory way, you know, in, in sound bites or, you know, without deeper analysis. And, uh, this development out of Nevada, the DeMonte case, D-A-M-O-N-T-E, uh, V. McDonald, Carano, Wilson, LLP, is a reminder of that. And I think uh, when we get Supreme Courts of any state or the United States Supreme Court, when they rule on a decision it should uh, that has a tax issue in it, uh, I kind of perk up and say, wow, this, this might be something our audience needs to hear about. And, and sure enough, what was going on in DeMonte is that we had a legal malpractice case that was brought um, after two siblings uh, learned that their deceased brother, uh, who held a large ownership interest in a family-owned business, uh, that his interest was being reflected as larger than theirs. So if you think about it, you have three siblings in a business, one of them dies, and when he dies, the perception is that they're going to be equal owners. Uh, and all of a sudden they learn in the estate process that the deceasing brother's interest was greater than theirs. And of course, when we have these closely held entities and you want to know why that is, uh, the K-1 comes to mind. If you have a pass-through type entity, we've talked about that LLCs or whatnot, and you're looking at the K-1, that K-1 has a lot of information on it. As our audience will remember, it's not just numbers that are passing through for your tax return. On the left side of the K-1, it will describe the percentage that you have in profit, loss, and capital. So the significance with this is what happens if you're trucking along and you think that you have a 50-50 or equal relationship or whatever it might be, and you start to you know, pull out these K-1s, and what happens if the K-1s uh, show a different percentage? Are you on notice that you somehow should have done something about that? Uh, in other words, let's say 10 years go by, 15 years go by, or whatever it might be, and let's say those, those interests are showing a different percentage and actually show that, let's say, instead of one-third, 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 your percentage interest is lower, and therefore you're on notice from according to the tax records and the K-1 that you in fact don't own 
an equal interest with another person. Are you supposed to challenge that? And the answer is yes. We've talked about that, that, that an 8082 form is your mechanism on a year-by-year basis of contesting the K-1 that you've received. Anything within the four corners of the K-1, it's your obligation to challenge and to go back to the preparer and say, hey, I got this K-1. It says I only own 20%. I should be a one-third owner. Can you tell me why it doesn't reflect my one-third percent ownership? Uh, you know, in the, in the example that we have here. And so then the question becomes, all right, if you went along with that for 10 years or whatever the time period is, and you were on notice that a sibling had a greater interest, then if you then sued, let's say, the a lawyer who uh, was advising the entity and, the, and let's say who then shows an operating agreement that says equal and yet the taxes are showing something different, um, if you go to sue that lawyer, let's say, for malpractice, because you're claiming that uh, that is somehow contradictory to your understanding, uh, then the let's say you have a statute of limitations issue with suing that lawyer. And if the issue with the lawyer is, well, I uh, you were on notice of this issue and you went along with it, therefore you should not be able to bring that uh, legal malpractice claim, right? Then these K-1s could be front and center of the defense that the attorney raises saying, hey, this is, you were on notice of this. You knew about this. You should have said something then, right? Well, this DeMonte case tells us, uh, Gilbert, that um, it may not be quite so simple. And, and the reason is, is that at the lower court, they said, makes sense to us. Good argument, Mr. Lawyer. Uh, um, you know, the lawyers representing the lawyers in the lawsuit. Uh, good job. Uh, Statute of limitations applies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're done. Kick the case out. Done. Right? That's That was the reaction at the lower court level. What's interesting is this Supreme Court case in Nevada says not so fast. Mm. Okay? In other words, okay, we we get that this is what it says, and, and we get that the K-1s put you on some kind of notice. But the K-1's not the end of the story. It's the beginning of the story. And why do we say that? Well, it turns out that the operating agreement, right, said equal. It turns out that in some of the years, maybe the distributions were equal, right? So you can't just say, look at the K-1s, gotcha, right? You need to analyze it, whether what's on the K-1s is more substantive. In other words, you, you, you have to look at the details a little bit more closely. This is what um, came out of the decision. So as they said, and this just, this will help our audience, it says, um, true Bergen's greater interest comment and the receipt of the K-1 forms might irrefutably demarcate a an earlier discovery date if these factual allegations stood alone. But the complaint also contains other allegations that cut against the existence of the required notice to trigger the statute of limitations. One, Lewis continued to maintain that the siblings were treated equally. Two, the two other siblings did not know that they had the K-1s, this information return, in their possession. Three, 
the two siblings did not knowingly receive evidence of their disparate in, disparate interest in the business entities until 2019. So combined with the potential to interpret greater interest as meaning an emotional interest and the existence of different entities contributing to the disparate, disparate ownership interests, the allegations are not indicative of uncontroverted evidence necessary to dismiss at this stage based on the statute of limitations. We conclude that it instead reveals some set of facts which, if true, would entitle the plaintiff to relief, a complaint that is not time-barred. So in other words, I'm reading to you from the case there, but there was more to the story than just the K-1s and the percentages listed on the K-1s. They didn't get the K-1s. They, If they're credible on that, you know, that's possible. Um, hard to believe, but possible. Uh, again, what is, is the percentage mean something? Is there something that's skewing the percentages? Meaning that, like, as they point out, there were other ownership percentages and how it's handled during the year. That may not be the end of the story. We've talked about the flexibility of LLCs and partnerships. Your operating agreement may shift things around at times. You may have some additional capital in that doesn't change your ownership percentage. It's just a lot more to it. So our audience needs to know that if you find yourself making a knee-jerk reaction on percentages, I'm 50-50, I'm one-third, one-third, one-third. As you unpack that, as you look under the hood, that may or may not be substantively true or legally true or even tax-wise true. So you have to say not so fast. And again, I think in a world, Gilbert, where things move so fast and, and we have these reactions, I think th this is a good lesson maybe for us this time of year maybe um, that there's always good in, in thinking before you speak maybe. Maybe there's good uh, good to the idea that you reflect instead of react, right? And maybe there's some good to, um, maybe it's more complicated than simple, right? Maybe things are not as they appear. I mean, I think all of these things are good things for us to reflect on, right? And, and, and realize that with the complex tax system and a complex uh, structures of LLCs and so forth, Let's just be a little careful out there and know that, hey, this is what I think I'm seeing, but maybe let's take a deeper look, right? Let's let's look a little bit deeper before we draw an ultimate conclusion, right? Because ultimately, disagreements and legal battles can uh, have two entrenched sides in them believing just adamantly that one's right, one's wrong. But maybe, just maybe, it's a little bit more complicated. And there might be agreement within the disagreement on things that are in these entrenched positions. And so, that's a good message, I think. What do you think? I think it is. <laughs> so DeMonte helps us with that. DeMonte says not so fast. And so uh, if you, uh, the site that I have for that is it's an unpublished decision, so it's not easy for uh, folks to get at. So again, it's the DeMonte case, D-A-M-O-N-T-E v. McDonald Carano Wilson LLP out of the Supreme Court of, Miz of Nevada, November 16, 2023. So pretty hot off the press. 
so be careful out there when you're when you're dealing with uh, statute limitations, uh, legal malpractice type claim, uh, and it involves these K ones. Because one of the things we're doing on this podcast is we're trying to help folks see how taxes impact everything, how these these matters, these K ones, and these very are you know very particular tax issues can rear their head in a normal world if you will and when they do we want our audience to not just gloss over and oh it's taxes and gloss over we kind of want to hang in there get the good advice and pay attention and pay attention and 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 really stay at it and then last but not least as we've learned from 8082 you need to be diligent each year you can't come tax time kind of sit on your rights if there's something wrong on that k1 yeah, you you, you got to be after that. You got to go back to them and say, hey, something's not right on the four corners. You know, your name's not right. The type of entity is not right. The percentages are not right. Your capital count's not right. How they're maintaining the, the entity, the structure, then the right side, the numbers, all of it, everything within the four corners. You want to be looking at it and thinking about and um, and then and work your way through it. Do not put that off to last minute or bypass it each year and then think that it's going to have no implication down the road that you didn't say something. You know, what's the, what's the other expression we have around these days? See something, say something. Well, yeah. you know, so maybe the same thing also applies here. Absolutely. You see something on the K-1, you go, that doesn't look right. Then you need to say something. Yeah. And you, it, you know, you well, know, when it comes to taxes, you always have to right. say well, something. Well, <laughs> hey, hey. And, and with that, it's like a foreign language or something. You know, you may oh. not, you may not grasp it. But you can't just gloss over. You got to kind of hang in there with it and work with the the complicated tax system as it is. And of course, we're there, you know, to try and help folks. Um, mm-hmm. But get to your accountants, get to your folks, especially as we get into the new year, and uh, just you know, g- get after these issues. And you're here to open their mind and uh, make them think. And uh, you're really simplifying. I mean, nothing is simple about taxes, right. and it's uh, you know quite complicated. Well, you don't know you have an issue unless you can at least at the cursory level be on top of this. So yeah. what our audience comes away knowing mm-hmm. after our podcast is I've got a K-1. i got to look at it exactly. closely. I can't just exactly. throw it in the drawer. Yeah. So if you've got K-1s, look at them. That's kind of rule one. And then rule two is – where do you get help to go through them if something's wrong? Mm-hmm. You go back to the person that prepared it. Mm-hmm. You start asking questions. You document those questions. Why? Because you can't just knee-jerk run with a K-1 and say it's wrong. I'm going to create the mm-hmm. proverb. I'm going to proverbially drop the match in the forest by filing an 8082. We've said no, 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 no. Can't just do that as a you know a knee-jerk reaction. You've got to ask to try and fix it. You got to show that because the instructions say that. So once again. Pull your instructions out with your tax forms and kind of go through them and work your way through these difficult issues. And then get yourself around good advisors and things like that to help you with that. Yeah, and seek help with uh, an expert like uh, Mr. T. Scott Tufts. You can call him at 877-647-7887. Again, that number is 877-647-7887. You can reach him on the 407 number as well. You can email him at stufts at pcc.law. That's S-T-U-F-T-S at pcc.law. You can visit the website at privatecorporatecouncil.com. Always be diligent. Don't procrastinate like Mr. T. Scott Tufts said and monitor and check everything. Thank you, folks, and see you next time.